0: Cliff Central. revolution. I've
1: got something important to tell you. Cliff hey. And welcome to the Renegade Report. Um, we half missed you there. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, Dr. John Robbie
2: Jr., how are you? <laughs> uh... More intelligent, less suitable on a mixing desk.
1: Then yes, indeed. So anyway, very excited for today's guest. And today's guest is Sigle Ingobezi. I do apologize if I mess that up. I'm French, I don't know names.
2: Yeah, you might have butchered that completely.
1: I'm I'm sure Black Twitter will will let me know. Um so Sigle is a is a classic liberal libertarian from cape town he's an industrial sociologist and i happened to meet him on twitter a few years ago and um never met in person but i really appreciate what he tweets
2: you really need to stop picking up strangers on twitter
1: that's how we met jonathan oh that was grinder sorry
2: <laughs> or tinder i, I forget no grinder sickle welcome to the show
0: hi thank you for having me gentlemen
2: it's great great to have you on um mm. all right so you are a interesting guy uh, some interesting opinions on Twitter. Tell us, uh, tell us about your. Well, they're not interesting at all. I mean, I find them perfectly reasonable. But uh, tell us about your liberal background.
0: Oh well, um, you know, there's not much, nothing much to it, um, except you know, it it really bit me. I would argue during university, um, you know, just out of uh, a bit of reading here and there, um, and you know. I suppose my own history um, of uh, a single parent who's physically handicapped, you know, having doors shut to you at every opportunity for your parent, really does influence the kind of person you become. You know, um, of essentially not wanting to see that same situation that you went through with your parent. Um, you know, be experienced by other people and freedom became a very important facet and tenet of how I view the world, Um, you know, and this was fostered a bit more at university where, so I was just saying, you know, a lot of the professors are are, are arguably the opposite of of freedom lovers, you know, very sort of socialist and uh, statist tendencies, Um, so yeah, I think university is where it it really got fostered um, and I began to sort of express it more politically, at at uh, at university,
2: which which university was this? Uh,
0: this was the University of KwaZulu Natal, UKZN. Oh, well, um, I did my undergrad. Eh? Much more reasonable um, than UCT, <laughs> you, you'd think. Um, no, I, look, one of the funny things about UKZN, just very briefly, was you know. In my time there, uh, you never had any other political party or formation on the ballot paper for SRC elections. It was always, you know, the ANC Youth League and its its uh, offspring, um, and and a different party. Um, and their message was one which I found so toxic that that sort of prompted me to act. Um, you know, and I got together a group of individuals who held views that I held. We rallied students, and we we you know under the four, the banner of DASO, which is the DA student organisation, we ran a very competent and efficient liberal campaign. And yeah, in my first election, we won seats on when, the SRC. When was so this? This was two thousand and. Uh, eight two thousand and eight. So before then, um, UKZN was excuse me
2: two thousand and nine was a single party campus.
0: Essentially, um, you know, Howard College, which is where I was, you know, you'd have the what they, they call themselves amusingly the Progressive Youth Alliance. Very little, pro- yeah, they call themselves that them. at
2: WITS. Right? Um, they, they shouted it. They burned down buildings.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, Jesus. Um, and yeah, you know, these are people who I found to be quite laughable in terms of um, wanting to be. On the necessarily the outcomes of their actions. Um, you know, sort of very corrupt lot um, who to this day despise me, but hey, who
1: cares? <laughs> yeah, I mean, these are our future politicians, my friend. You want to be in prison in 20 years? Yeah, treat them, please treat them with respect.
0: Uh, uh, you, you mean deference. That's the key difference. You know, I've always found trendy lefties are very big on arguing that we need to be a respectful society. You know? we must.
2: I'm going to use that.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that's literally what I call them because that's exactly what they are. I mean, here you have a group of uh, young people, students in that particular case, because I, uh, I was a student myself, um, who come from upper working class, middle class families, um, the, the very stuff that they deride, you know, sort of, sort of privilege, so to speak. Yet when they come to university, they suddenly become these unofficial spokespeople. Um, and for blacks. Um, and you sort of slip back and, and just be amused at the sight. Um, you know, and these are students who, of course, want to be judged by their intentions and not necessarily their outcomes. And you know this 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 is unfortunately the state of south african universities
1: today yeah i mean what what about black pain and and black bodies and <laughs> black holes? white and, tears white tears and, and and uh what else is black that we can use um uh, i don't know so but what about all these all the, these the presidents b m w yes <laughs> but but they're using it, all, all, all these terms right so what, what do they mean by black pain and you know something about black bodies
0: yeah you, you see every social justice warrior or as i call them social justice wimps has to oh, create beautiful um has to create a victimhood in order to legitimize their argument so the the premise of their argument isn't dependent of the points they're making um and the strength of, of of their reasoning no what they rely on is well, I'm a victim and by virtue of me being a victim um you you can't scrutinize me to the point of dismissing what I may be saying now this is problematic because when you listen to all these things like you know black pain and um yeah, you know the white privilege it goes down the line all it really is is an attempt to dismiss the other in order for you to hold on to an argument which is actually easily you know uh, dismissible uh through facts and logic you know i always say you know people can make a claim and we can interrogate it using the facts and and reason and if we discard it through uh debate and, and and an actual intellectual discussion as opposed to these emotional discussions that happen all the time on campuses, then you know we can move on, but that's what? not the space we have
2: yeah it's not the, at the moment yeah it's not the space we have what what's your what's your feeling on you know you're saying these these kids come from and I you know it goes to all social justice wimps, so you know across the, the sort of spectrum. They, when they start off as students and then, you know, they inevitably end up as, I don't know, BAs in feminism or, or journalists or something, um, or puppeteers. <laughs> and then they wonder why there's or, a pay gap. Or, or, yeah, or puppeteers or, or, you know, who knows? They, they choose really funny careers and then complain about their, their income. But, um, the, uh, you know, in terms of, they're coming from usually a middle class, as you mentioned, sometimes even an upper class background. We know, you know, sons of mm. uh, people who run state enterprises, oh. uh, mm. complaining about uh, the terrible oppression that they've suffered. Um, is Ooh. is it just a virtue signalling? Do they really believe it? Uh, you know, what 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 are they doing? I
0: I would I would argue. That, the, um, you know, it deep down inherently, these are people who, who believe that what they're saying will somehow represent the voice of, you know, in, in inverted commas, the voiceless. Um, however, the problem is, you know, it's the means, not necessarily what their the intentions are. The intentions are good. I mean, we all want, I suppose, a society where everybody has a good living, living a standard of living, um, a society where, you know, we, um, Uh, you know, as they um, or as I like to put it, anti-racist, you know, you can't have a non-racial society, you can have an anti-racist society, one in which we have the rule of law that punishes those who have, um, you know, uh, 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 who call, excuse me, the the rule of law that punishes those who call for violence against someone purely based on something arbitrary, like race or gender or whatever. Um, You know, we all want that sort of society. However, the problem is Um, It's the means that these people think or achieve a socialist, statist or identitarian and believe that the state through coercive, manipulative power should um, impose the sort of society they want. And this is problematic. Um, So, you know, in short, um, I would call I would would believe that, you know, they they genuinely do believe that they want a better society. The problem is they just don't know how. And they're ahistorical in how they approach this issue. They believe the state is the most efficient, um, these sort of goals. And I believe individuals through voluntary cooperation is better to do this.
1: But I mean, we know this very well. Most of these people who are you know, protesting, they like, they've got like BA, not even, they're, they're getting BA degrees or they're getting some sort of, you know, political science degree. I mean, none of them do, none of them do economics, none of them do, you know, the real, if I may say like the real tertiary education, none of them are engineers. And, or, and, and I mean, I or think or we need that. to
2: not be snobs in, in that, you know, you have to have a degree to know something because that's not true. Uh, but certainly isn't it, true it's indeed. not hard to pick up a book and read a little bit or apply your absolutely. mind
0: absolutely look just in short i don't have an economics degree however it, it it doesn't take much for you to open your mind and read remember it you know getting a degree in the past you you'd ha- you, you used to say you're reading for a degree why because the the understanding was you are viewing yourself as an open conduit for information and knowledge Mm. um, that isn't necessarily just fixed to what this particular course requires you to read and cram for an exam. No, building knowledge, building a, a, a group of individuals with ideas to march through the institutions of society, whether it be government or civil society or whatever, but to march through these institutions with the view of changing them requires people who actually understand a lot more than just what their particular worldview. And this means reading outside of your comfort zone, you know? So I often say I, I, am an industrial sociologist. However, um, I've done my level best to read, you know, great minds like Adam Smith, to, uh, uh, you know, uh, oof, watch me get, uh, uh, stumped now, but you I'm know, touched. Milton Friedman, et etc. et cetera. Yeah. Um, we we read outside of what is our comfort zones, other than Karl Marx and, you know, Weber, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Why? Because forming a Opinion requires us to do this, and unfortunately, this culture of learning, this culture of of, of um, opening one's mind to a myriad of ideas, is being decimated at university by these people who are demanding safe spaces and trigger warnings.
1: I mean, I'm not even going to lie. I mean, I, I I studied law, and I do it as a as an occupation. But I learned most of my what I know about economics and politics and all that from actually watching YouTube videos. You know, mm, th- there's, there's 400 hours of content on YouTube Every single minute, I mean you can watch cat videos uh, You know, till your mother comes home and Chucks you out the basement, but there's A hell of a lot of knowledge on there uh, As well, and, and people and, Are and, very lazy what,
0: Just very briefly, Ramon, what, what you're actually Revealing indirectly Is the power of uh, The free market of ideas And how the internet facilitates That Um you know, and, and why does it facilitate that? Because by and large, you don't have a government official or some com- or, um, you know, controlling, um, this, the free market of ideas, so to speak, so that even an individual sitting in a dusty village in the Northern Cape, excuse me, a dusty, um, town in the Northern Cape to a person in, you know, uh, urban Johannesburg, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, can access this medium to learn, um, and these these are the sort of um, institutions. These are the, these are the sort of means that we need to protect as a society, so people can access knowledge and cry police on campuses.
1: Yeah. I, I fully agree with you. Unfortunately, what happens is um, a lot of people are are very sure about themselves, especially in their youth. And what you have found is that the internet actually creates a massive confirmation bias. So they only look at things they agree with. They they refuse to look at anything else because everything else is racist or sexist or homophobic or whatever else. Uh, So unfortunately, confirmation bias is a massive, massive problem.
0: Um, I could see that point, but I'd also argue that the beauty of um, the internet, the beauty of the diversity of of society is that whether you like it or not, you will encounter people who challenge your views. Um, I mean, this discussion right now, technically, is I would hope, or I think, um, is a discussion between three people who, by and large. Um, May have similar goals, but different ideas on how to, um, to achieve them. For example, Roman, you are a anarcho, uh, capitalist, if I'm not mistaken. That um, is correct. You know, you're an anarchist. You're an anarchist. And, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a classical liberal. Um, no, you're a socialist. If is... you're not, if you're
1: not an anarchist, you're a socialist, <laughs> in my eyes at least.
0: <laughs> well, um, well, we'll disagree on that. But anyway. Racist. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or any of these sort of labels that we throw around. Um, but the points, you know, the point I make remain salient.
2: Yeah. Um, you
0: know, we, the very fact that we are a um, diverse society is what allows us to encounter ideas and to move on.
2: But it, it's interesting, you know, you talk about the free market of ideas and you, you mentioned diversity. Uh, but it, it seems to me that there's a war on the free market of ideas and certainly on diversity. So... In the same way that there's, this, you know, we've become more accepting of diversity. There's <clears throat> this kind of attempt to crush um, uh, beliefs on one side that we don't agree with. Uh, you know, the diversity is fine as long as we agree with the diversity.
0: Um, I would argue that you know, when these situations or when that particular scenario. Arises and it does arise. It happens quite a lot. You know, one has to repatriate the discussion to to clarifying what each each group or each individual means when we discuss issues. So, for example, you know, when you talk about um, capitalism, you know, I tend to find people use the the term capitalism to essentially identify anything they don't like about the world. You know, if, um, and and unless you have a unless you begin any discussion with a discussion on the, the meaning of words and what everybody means by a particular term, then you'll have that situation where there's a group think um, or a confirmation bias tendency as, as uh, Roman was. In every instance, for example, I, in my mind, I begin by saying, okay, w- what is my point of view um, and who am I? How do I view the world? So classical liberal, I believe in self-ownership. Um, that I have a right to my life and liberty, um, that I'm free to choose, by and large, um, and that I should have individual ownership and rights. Uh, I believe, by and large, that we should approach the world through free markets and that the individual decides because they have agency. Now, if I begin every discussion in my mind through that lens... I then choose to define clearly what I mean by something with someone that I debate and that they can then engage on that basis. And we just don't do this anymore. People just sort of throw terms out and hope that, you know, everybody sort of understands what they mean. And that's not that's not constructive debate.
2: But they also make up terms. I mean, I'm a white, cis, hetero... What I don't know. We can add. We can add some uh, Ramon. What else am I? Um, I mean, I'm racist, of course, because I'm white. No, but, but you're a else?
1: Zionist. Yeah, white okay. monopoly. White monopoly capital. capital. Patriarch. Cis
2: hetero. Anti LGBT.
1: Because you don't like women with penises or something.
2: Yeah. So uh, this is a. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's almost like we manufacture identities. Uh, on, at a rapid rate. I mean, the invention of words is is hilarious. I mean, the, the cis in itself, as a as a as a concept of calling a human cis hetero or cis, it's 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 absolute rubbish. It, I mean, it comes from the they, they went, oh, trance means something. All right, what is the opposite <laughs> in science of trance? Oh, it's cis. Uh, well, actually, not exactly. It's got to do with molecules. It's it's nothing to do with humans. I mean, it's just ridiculous. <laughs>
0: uh but i mean this this is what it's come down to we we now have a situation where people um are not so preoccupied with uh, self ident ident here's the thing i don't have a problem with people self identifying you know if you uh, it allows people to hold views that are endemic to them um, and that they particularly believe in and that they are, should be open to being scrutinized on those beliefs based on rational argument. The problem you have these days is that in order to shut down debates, in order to shut down free thought, people then resort to labeling. And what you've just described now is exactly what's happening in society. Or Again, let me not say society. It's exactly what's happening in certain circles like universities. media space, a lot of these spaces where these sort of trendy lefties um, like to vacillate their views on. Um, So, in short, you know, whenever I hear people do that, like, oh, you're cis this, or you're racist, or whatever the case may be, I always know immediately that person is trying to shut down debate. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I I, I think we're in a very awkward space as a country where a large port is actually locked out of these debates because they are Mm. unable to, you know, write to a newspaper or call in to Radio 702 or whatever. And their issues of... significantly different to what these identitarians who you know are given so much media space um are arguing is the debate in the country
2: well i I mean i identify as an apache helicopter you know so i mean that (laughs) that, you know that should uh, of course i i deserve special parking spaces because i'm huge of course (laughs) and armed at all times yeah
0: (laughs) let's let's hold it right there you see I would, I would be totally fine with you self-identifying as an Apache helicopter. The moment you start saying "I deserve" or "I'm entitled to," that's when you're starting to move the discussion towards the use of force. Mm. For but everybody I mean, else. Apache
2: helicopters have no sexuality, so if I want to go change in the girls' <laughs> bathroom, it's only fair.
0: Well, we really. Are-
2: you know, we, holding so <laughs> no, but I, you know, it's just, it's, it's, uh, this is kind of a ridiculous level that we're on. And, and you know, absolutely, I think, uh, some people have said, well, you know, these are American issues, but we've got this problem in South Africa. Our president is, is saying, uh, just the other day, you know, um, don't be, uh, black on the outside, but white on the inside.
0: Oh, he said much worse. Um, you know, here's a president who's argued that owning pets is an African, um, in fact, to these nationalist identitarians who believe that they are the appointed voice of a whole group of people that somehow by virtue of me having brown skin, black skin, that I now have, you know, the same worldview as him. This is problematic. Um, and really, it's, it's the bane of our society today. Um, and again, on President Zuma, what, a, what an example to bring up. Here's a man who, you know, and sorry to, to digress a bit, but I mean, you, you, you raised the issue of him. Uh, here's a man who, by and large, has created a society um, or a government which is perpetuating so much misery, which has bankrupted so many people, which um, has destroyed the wealth um, that a lot of working-class people have spent years saving up in their pensions, et cetera, et cetera. Here is a man who then has the goal to say, oh, I'm able to define what black people are or not. Um, so he's not particularly a, a, a character I like at the moment.
1: Yeah, I don't think anyone does at the moment except for uh, Jimmy Money. Um, but, but, I mean. Don't leave Bo out. Bo's going to
2: cry if you leave him out.
1: Oh, uh, Bo's unemployed. No one cares about him. Uh, but, but, I mean, let's, <laughs> let, let's, let's be real here. The the, 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 two major issues we face at the moment is economically in the country and jobs. I mean, those are the only two we can call, you know, and racism. I mean, no, not racism. Mm. Uh, economics and jobs. That's the most two important things. So now oh. why is it, um, not why is it, what is there to be done to to help? Because 40% unemployment in a country like ours is absolutely, it it shouldn't be happening. We all know this. What can be done to actually help people find jobs?
0: Well, I mean, I I think I think you're being nice in saying it's, you know, in giving it a term like, uh, you know, it shouldn't be done. I mean, this this is a crisis. We are in a situation where there are food insecure people who live in the very same country um, that we call home. There are people who, there are children who, are, who have grown up never seeing their parents ever wake up to go to work. Um, that is the, the, the cold hard reality of uh, the poorest of amongst us in society. But to on this particular agree with you, unemployment and the state of the economy is the central issue that we need to address if we're to have a society, a prosperous society. The issue is though, how do we do this? Well, first of all, we need to discuss what the role of the state should be in all of this. you know uh, generally speaking, I would argue that as a society, we need to really let me rephrase this as a society, we need to review. What our relationship with the state is, you know, I argue states should do less so that the individual should do more. Um, and again, I always speak about the individual. Really, we're a family society. So when, whenever I say indiv- individual, really, hear, hear family in that because people will literally work themselves to the bone for the benefit of family members, and that's the kind of society we are. Um, and then secondly, of course in terms of our relationship with the state, the state should spend less so that families and the individual can spend more, especially on themselves. Um, and thirdly, and most importantly, the state should own less so that individuals and families can own more. These are the instincts that I've applied right throughout my career, and instincts which I believe, if we were to adopt as a nation, we would see a lot more people have the freedom to pursue their own prosperity and not necessarily wait um, for government, a corrupt one at that, um, to, you know, hopefully one day deliver a house or a job or et etc et But I think, um, the yeah. greatest, especially the ANC, yeah. me, has done in the last 20 years is to convince people that government is a, a paternalistic figure that will deliver nirvana to them to so the extent to where people now, unfortunately, um, don't feel as if they have the agency if they're given opportunity to build their own um, prosperous environment for themselves and their families.
1: I mean, I agree with that, but it, it's much deeper than that, I'm afraid. The apartheid government was a superbly paternalistic, you know, uh, paternalistic government as well. So, so Absolutely. If you look at, okay, Twitter's not the, by, by any means, is not a, a fair assessment of what people are saying in this country. <clears throat> Excuse me. But a lot of white people also feel like victims. You know, they also think, oh, you know, back in the day We had it so well, and then these blacks took over And, you know, blacks can't do anything well and Which is obviously patently false But we live in a society where we accept That the state should look after us Across the board
0: uh, And and that's because I'm arguing that that's exactly the problem. Um, whether you're a white, whether you're white or black, um, our relationship with the government, with the state, Don't has been a toxic Indians, one. Eh?
2: The Indians are important.
0: Uh, <laughs> yes, representativity, everybody. Um, but no, I mean, it's it's true that the, the citizenry in this country has always had a very toxic relationship with the state to the extent where individuals prospering are seen as a problem in some instances. Um, But again, on what the role of the state is. I mean, I've, I've just gone through what I think the relationship between citizens and the state should be, but what is the role of government? Again, here I would argue that, you know, firstly, it's to protect us from our enemies. Now, these are internal and external, so External could be a country invading us, or whatever the case may be, and internal are criminals, people who do not believe in the rule of law. Um, therefore, in both instances, we need a military and a police force, a functional one under a capable state. The second role of government is the administration of justice. Um this is where the state mediates our disputes because if you have a country of 50 million people, you know, all of us diverse with our own views etc cetera, etc. Cetera, of course there'll be instances where, you know, there's friction between us or disagreement. So you need a state which administers a justice system and um ensures uh, that we honor our contracts to each other in society. And the third role, which I break up in two, is goods um, now, the, Sorry, just, you know, just repeat I,
2: that. what did you say? The third, the third the one is?
0: provision, the provision of public goods. Now this is more an economic term, um, and not necessarily you know f- uh, freebies <laughs> by public goods, um, in which you know some things, for example, um, are, uh, I, I believe are more economical being provided by the state, such as defense. You know, it, it is, it makes better sense for a state to have an army. Um, and these are services which you can argue are non-excludable. In other words, um, they don't exclude people living in the country from the benefits of them, and they're non-rival. So, in other words, me consuming more of it doesn't mean that you have less of it, such as, you know, uh, the protection of a society. So if you have, you know, a defense force and we have defense spending, um, me having, or a police force, for example, cops coming to save me from a criminal, that you have less of a right to that same service. Um, and the other, of course, is protection from negative externalities. Um, again, these are economic terms which I, I believe speak to the kind of society, or rather the role of the government. And the last one, of course, is protection um, for the irresponsible. Now, this is a term Milton Friedman used. You know, by irresponsible, he means those who we assume in society are unable to look after themselves. So children or people living with mental disabilities, for example. I do believe the state has a bit of a role to play um, in pr- pr- providing for and protecting those people. Um, So, for example, children who grow up in uh, dysfunctional families, you know, there should be services provided for that these kids can either find foster care, a foster home, or um, a home that protects them. So, you know, if you look at the state as having these four responsibilities and a state which is as small as possible and as local as possible, you would find a situation where individuals, um, by opting to... Uh, exercise their knowledge their skills and abilities on a free market would grow much more prosperous would be less dependent on the idea of being provided a job and rather creating employment or creating wealth than the situation we have now where people are sitting and waiting
1: yeah i don't know if you ever read uh, robert nozick he wrote a, a book in the 70s called uh, law anarchy and state i believe uh, he he's a, a a classic liberal, but more libertarian side. And he said the state only has three functions, uh, borders, justice system, enforcement of contracts. Uh, but the public good that you mentioned, you know, the, say, like, um, orphanages or asylums or, or rehab centers. I mean, all those can be really provided by the market, right? I mean,
0: of course. The state I mean, it doesn't really is, have to be there. Of course not. And, and this is also. What Milton Friedman's The Social Market Approach. And even though something is the responsibility of individuals and in the state, um, that how you dispense that need not be provided by the government. So, for example, education, that is, ensuring that every citizen in a society is educated, you could argue, some do, is the responsibility of the state. However, that doesn't mean the government needs to provide the actual service. So, for example, I'm in huge favor of the voucher system. Um, parents and and learners greater power in terms of choosing where um they send their kids to school. Can so just, in this just instance,
2: explain the, the system.
0: Yes, yes. I was just going into it now. You know, so in, instead of the government funding schools and running schools, you have a situation where those funds are uh, given to parents. Let's say in a voucher of. Uh, uh and this is just an and an, you know a random number but 15000 rand per year so Now suddenly every parent uh, um has rand to dispense per year for the education of their child. Now, this parent has the power to now say, okay, where do I spend this money? Which school or which schools provide the greatest value and the greatest opportunity for my children? So that you now have a situation where schools um, and those who run these schools, I mean, you'd have a mushrooming of competent, skilled individuals vying for the business that you said, or the market that you suddenly created by parents having these vouchers. So you'd eliminate two problems, um, not completely, but by and large, you'd eliminate the problem of terrible government schools, which are currently the very system which is, um, disempowering a lot of, especially black, um, youth from townships like I'm from, um, from being, being able to participate and compete in the market. So you'd, er- you'd eradicate a lot of the problems of them being um, relegated to bad township schools by having a situation where private interests are able to run schools, provide a quality service, because parents now have the buying power to, to facilitate that. So, again, to agree with you, Roman, you know, the social market approach is one in which you say, you know, devolve as much power as possible. To families and individuals in society, as opposed to believing that some bureaucrat in Pretoria knows what 's best for me that 's not true
2: yeah, I mean uh, the voucher idea sounds quite quite nice, but even if you just if the government just said children have to go to school, that would create a market that there have to be schools, and then it would just exist you don 't necessarily need that no
1: that that 's a bit simplistic i'm afraid because the government's provides basic well very very basic education at the moment um yeah if you can call it education so what the voucher system does it gives it gives the choice to the family or to the learner or to the parents themselves now through buying power exactly and and now you have to but under our our current administration that the. Municipality chooses where you go to school based on your geographical area. Yeah, and then you couple that with uh, with teachers' unions and and just infrastructure. Uh, due to the fact that you were born accidentally in, say, Caicedo, you have to attend the local school,
2: which is utterly horrible. Yeah, my, look, my only problem with the the idea of vouchers is the vouchers are going still to government-funded schools, right? So the school uh, gets the voucher. Uh, no, is it is no. completely private.
0: Yes. So the schools, oh, the schools are now cool. essentially I'm sorry. I'm sorry. run. Yeah. So, uh, so what you, you, in effect happen is you allow private interests, people who view it as in their, you know, personal self interest yeah. to open a quality and school. And every voucher they able, get gives, give, you absolutely. know,
2: th- then gets them, the vouchers were worth money essentially.
0: Absolutely. This is, uh, let me be precise and specific. This is about allowing individuals with certain skills and society and the freedom to open or run something which they are experts in um, and providing that service to people who is now empowered as a particular government with, you know, capital to pursue that particular service. Um, so you're eliminating the idea that government runs things um, and that somehow it's able to run these things. Government's not good at running anything, uh, to be honest, um, and what you want is a situation where you empower those who have the skills, who have the self-interest to provide that service, to be able to provide it, and on, on the other side, to provide, uh, or rather, to afford poorer segments of your society, to, to be able to afford um, and have the choice of where they want to afford to pursue that particular service, So whether it be education or health, etc, etc. et, cetera, et cetera. This comes back to. Okay, so memory's you, gone you would
2: apply the same kind of principles, say to the health system.
0: Of course, I would, um, because what, what underpins my is a passage in Adam Smith's *Wealth of Nations*, and I'm going to, I'm to uh, remember the verbatim. You know, where he argues that by pursuing his own interest, he frequently promotes that of the society. He, being the individual, frequently promotes that of the society more effectually. Than when he really intends to promote it, and the key line he says is, "I've never known much good done by those who affected to trade for the public good." And notice that he says, affect, Ultimately, you are—you know—it it comes back to that whole idea that do-gooders, um, who are given state power to impose their view, um, at the expense of the individual or families choosing, do more harm than the intended stated um, objective
1: of doing good. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's quite common. I mean, they're called externalities, right? So every every policy has an intention, but what is unseen is, is the, the uh, outcome on other things other than the policy at hand. So, for example, we could have... Um, what can we have? So we can have, you know, basic education, which, which sounds good. You know, everyone attends for free, but, uh, what's the externalities? The quality won't be good. Um, you are bound by your geographical area. So externality of policies are a real problem. And, and, you know, states and governments in general often fail to see what other unseen circumstances happen once they implement a policy.
0: True. I mean, you could eliminate a lot of the negative externalities we face as society by eliminating a lot of the bad government decisions and a lot of the bad government spending. Um, And you can only do this if you clearly identify what the role of the state is and you reduce it to a level in which um, you elevate the individual or rather families above the state um, under the rule of law. Um, It's really as simple as that.
1: I would agree with you. I would agree with you, Sifle. And uh, yeah, I think I think your your idea on vouchers makes sense. I mean I I think it's better than what we have now, but it's not perfect. But then again, nothing ever is. Uh, and we, we and nothing, and and that's nothing to be expected.
0: And nothing ever will be. I mean yeah. I always say this to to, to to friends and those who are willing to listen that, you know, Nirvana is not for this world. Um, you know, we will never create a situation where Everybody's totally happy yeah. and everything is hunky dory, but we can work as a society towards achieving, um, you know, uh, a standard of living, a standard which the society, um, in which most people in our society, um, can enjoy the perks of, um, what they are willing to work for and what they're willing to pursue as their self-interest, because ultimately, The world runs on individuals each pursuing their own separate interests. And the greatest system that any government um, or, as I call it, a capable state can put in place is one in which individuals are given the freedom to pursue their own separate interests.
2: So so does anyone get close? When we're talking about governments, you know, I'm, I'm trying to sort of think in some respects on the education and healthcare side, I suppose. You know your your sort of North European countries. You could argue get close, although they're very socialist in the way that they do that. Uh, it's not it's not always vouchers. Well, I don't know about the voucher system in itself, but uh, Ramon's shaking his head. Some do it in a socialist fashion, some don't. So so, so no, come back at me. Nordic countries are not socialist.
1: They, they says, are
0: not. Thank you. Thank level. you, fact, um, Do you want to explain in fact, why? I, 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 I can give a funny anecdote where Bernie Sanders, one of the American um, presidential candidates at the moment, you know, was waxing lyrical about how, you know, Scandinavian countries are, are totally socialist and that the state provides everything and that, you know, truly planned. And the very next week, this was last year, I believe, the very next week, the Danish Prime Minister, um, Lord Rasmussen, um, you know, did a talk in Harvard University in America and unequivocally said, Denmark is far from a socialist planned economy. We have a thriving and robust free market in which individuals are creating wealth. Mm. And if anything, it is the state, um, what you do have instead, sorry, is a state that tax. Tact- Quite heavily, um, and then uses those taxes through good governance yeah, so, to deliver. So social that's the services. socialism I'm so,
2: referring to. You know, you, you uh, again, you,
0: that's not socialism. That's statism. Yeah, One so, has to make the distinction. Socialism um, is a
1: centrally planned economy. The only socialist okay, so, country we have tax, is right? is Venezuela. Arguably,
2: okay. and Cuba. No, but but okay, but hold on. Venezuela is, is absolutely socialist. Cuba is communist, and both of them take those policies to an absolute end point. No, but they control the means of production, the state. Yeah. that one makes it socialist. A large welfare state
1: is not socialist. Uh, Frederick Hayek is a well-known but libertarian so- those economist. Those socialist principles. Not really. Socialism is about well, owning the pr- modes of production. Only. Yes. Okay. That, that's that's its main feature.
0: That's pretty much settles it. Um, you know. <laughs> well, that that taught me. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I didn't Sifle, mean that I'll, I'll, I'll be out next week, song. and
2: uh, you can take over the chair here. <laughs> yeah, we, we need a we need an uh, no,
0: affirmative uh, action
1: candidate. Sifle. it's it's an equity <laughs> candidate. It
2: hasn't been affirmative action Sorry. since two thousand. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that'll that'll definitely appease the PC crowd. Um, but no, I mean, Roman, Roman is hitting the nail on the head. Um, what we what we what we're seeing, what the most pervasive form of governance, to varying degrees, is statism and the, the sort of dirigist policies that comes with um, status politicians. You know, uh, uh, where they know enough, they know enough to know that you know the state controlling the levers of the economy is not a good thing. However, the state being a fat beneficiary of the you know the proceeds of a free market economy, um, they believe the state should be one of the greatest sorry beneficiaries of that. So it's statism that we're really seeing more. And it's the same thing with the ANC, where we're we're increasingly watching you know, I heard a a a a very amazing uh stat, I think, by Davy Ruit, um the famous economist, who was saying that South Africans on average pay um, between 15 and 17 forms of direct and indirect taxation. That's a lot. 15 to 17 types of direct and indirect taxation, and that's excluding municipal um, levies and rates. Um, so, you know, South Africans do bear a large tax burden, mainly because statist politicians believe that, you know, we huge bulky and onerous um, state administration. And that's been the the, the characteristic of governments around the world at the moment. So it's statism more than socialism.
2: All right. uh, I I take your point. Uh, Fine. No, no issue there. Um, Ramon, you want to? Yeah,
1: I want to know the fact that you're black means absolutely nothing. We want your opinion on it, uh, you know, because you're an individual. Um, Affirmative action. What is your view on affirmative action? Because we said in the past, um, I would support affirmative action if it actually worked. But like most most policies, it doesn't. The outcomes are not at all what the intentions were. Uh, do you think there's a place for a transformation in whatever way you want to use it is necessary? The economy needs to grow to incorporate more people in this country. Uh, do you have a problem with affirmative action in general?
0: Well... <clears throat> it depends on what you mean by affirmative action and fine it, if not necessarily the the current definition of it, which is based on uh, race being the proxy. I would argue that the greatest form of affirmative action, the greatest form of black economic empowerment is a good education system, a free market, which allows those individuals to compete um, and the protections of property rights. Um, Now, you can't affirm anybody in society if you're not getting those basics uh, rights, so that what you have is a situation where those relatively well off black people become the beneficiaries um, perpetually of these you know state favors and and um, uh, you know uh, state sanctioned uh, um, benefits that are accrued through you know affirmative action legislation and b e so that what you actually have is a small group of black benefiting even though the intention of course by the politicians was to have the uh, you know the 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 vast majority of black people benefit so i i'm in favor of a capable state putting in place a quality education system um through you know such means as like the voucher system that we discussed, um, and you know putting in place the the right environment for those same black people who have then system to compete in the economy using their acquired knowledge, skills, and abilities. And unfortunately, this is what we've gotten wrong um, in our society. And you know this this um, yeah i mean i, I it's, it's i just I, I find i find people who hold on to this view that merely using race as a proxy mm-hmm. will, will fix the problem and that you know it it's it's affirmative affirmative action excuse me will work um just by using race as a so proxy no the the basics in your society right which is a quality education the protection and enhancement of secure and transferable property rights um, you know, a free market where the individual is able to trade their skill, their knowledge, <clears throat> and reap the full benefits of um, that, be it through, you know, remuneration or whatever. Um, if you don't get those basics right, then no form of affirmative action that is racial in nature can ever work.
2: Yeah, I, so, I mean, essentially, you're, you're pretty pro and for a, a meritocracy, essentially, at the point it comes for kind of employment and things like that. Um I just, I'm just wondering, your system. I agree with you. We, if we educate everyone equally and well, uh, and we allow people relatively equal opportunities, you know, in the, the sort of um, times of their lives that uh, matter. So,
0: sorry, I need to interject there. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm a little hesitant on the word. It also implies. That you're not accounting for differences in society. So I'd I'd rather use what I actually believe, which is open opportunities, so that you know, if I want to be an artist, um and consequently I don't really need math or science or any Mm. of those things, if you had an ecosystem, you would then force that particular child, for example, to do hard science and hard math like everybody else. So rather have an open system because um, that accounts for our diversity, that accounts for differences. So if you have open opportunities um, in which a quality education is delivered through those means, mm. then you're affirming um, yeah. that is the most – Powerful form of affirmative action you could ever have for any society, especially
2: yeah, ours. I absolutely agree with. I agree with all of that. So we've said before that you know this chasing equality is is kind of nonsense because difference is is very important. And actually, you, you can't eradicate difference. When you're trying to make everyone equal, you actually end up having problems. Um, but mm. but um, what do you do for the forty year old guy now? Who he's not being educated anymore. He has what he has. Um, you know, for people who are going to be sort of pro the system and they say, well, how do we get him ahead?
0: Well, you know, that's that's an interesting one because, you know, it, it almost assumes that the responsibility for that 40-year-old man should be that of societies or that of governments. Um, you know, we, again, we, we need to not deny people agency, you know, at Whether you're 40 or 50 or whatever age, um, people have interests, people have agency. So the trick really is to provide a, an economy, a free market, a free economy in which that individual is able to pursue their own self-interest. The problem we have, the problem we have is that we live in a society where we don't do that and we rather uh, you know inculcate a culture where we say no once you're 40 or if you're 50 you oh you've been the you've been the uh the the um the victim of something uh which has relegated you relegated you to be someone who can't compete or someone who can't do this or can't do that once you change that narrative and you start um you know, shifting people's mindset to saying, actually you can do this. You can compete in uh what is currently an informal economy, what I argue is just an economy. Um you can excuse me pursue um uh, a level of income based on the skills, and knowledge abilities that you have, then you you, you change the way in which society views uh, the role of the individual in in, in our country. Yes, again, I'm not they, I saying mean, that is a panacea. So, yeah. that, again, I'm not arguing that that fixes everything. But what I'm arguing is if you provide a situation where you afford that individual opportunities, such as for argument's sake, and again, I'm going into arbitrary examples. A yeah. 40-year-old man is still able to um, get an education in a trade. A 40-year-old man is still able to get an education at a university. You know, this idea that people don't have agency or that they are, uh, you know, there's some sort of inherent stupidness in them because of their age or their race or whatever, whatever metric that trendy lefties sometimes use is part of the problem. And it consigns people to this notion that, oh, woe is me. I
1: can't do anything with my life. Yeah. See, I think you must just be careful with the, the way you say it though, because a free market is not imposed, right? There's, there's no, there's no overarching, um, intention to impose a free market. A free market is almost the state of nature. Uh, people do voluntary trade on a daily basis, be it for, for drug sex or eggs or, you know, magazines and no one tells them to buy it. They do so because they want it. Of course. So that's, that's the beauty of a free market. The free market in, in its most objective sense doesn't care who you are. It only cares what you can provide for others and whether others will want what you provide. That is the, the, that is the basic principle of the market. So all of these, um, you know, all of these things that say, um, you know, you have to, you know, you have to have a, a black partner here or, or, you know, whatever, all these other self-imposed uh, political conditions. To a business or a company or an individual, uh, they've patently false because the market doesn't care who you are. It only cares about what you can provide.
0: And and, and of course, you're you're 100% correct. The issue always becomes what prevents individuals from accessing um, or or rather expending their knowledge, their skills, their abilities in a free market? What prevents people? from pursuing their own self-interest and if you want to discuss um the plight for example as Jonathan raised of the 40-year-old man um you know you'd have to look at exactly what prevents this individual from happiness and often in nearly all cases it is bad government decisions that do that um, so again i'm making the case for freedom where <clears throat> i would argue that if you allow individuals um you know, to exercise their agency and pursue their own uh, self-interest, then you have a greater uh, opportunity, have a greater chance, excuse me, of not having to have um, what the trendy lefties want, which is a state that provides everything. Why? Because it assumes that, you know, certain categories of people are victims and are unable to do anything for themselves.
1: Yeah, I mean we we can agree that that you know, modern leftism is is highly patronizing uh and actually does not uh give credence to people's real struggles and you know the real struggle is is finding a job and make you know putting bread on the table uh some people call that evil they call it you know evil capitalism but yeah the, the left are also economically ignorant I'm actually a bit bored of speaking about them
2: uh all right so sikle let's uh, we got 5 minutes let's um talk about uh, what you would do so let's uh, take a feather out of uh, Stephen Redden's cap Uh, bizarre podcast he 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 always used to say to his guests right you've been elected president of the country (coughs) landslide election uh, very successful so you've essentially got free reign what are you going to do what are what what you're going to do on day one to kind of uh, well achieve all the goals and ideals you've been talking about
0: Good question. Um, Well, firstly, (laughs) being president, uh, I, 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 holding political office, but anyway, um, the number one thing I would argue is to bring people closer towards um, the economy. Uh, To do this, of course, we need them for those who are still within it, and those who are going to access it, and those who want to access it. and, of course, getting health care and safety and security right. If we can get these three things um, right, then allow people to do what they do best, which is to innovate, um, you know, uh, create value, uh, create enterprise, et etc. et cetera. So if I was president, um, you know, uh, and let me not say the first thing as if, you know, I'll, I'll work in the sequence. No, um, it's just getting institutions of the state right. You know, firstly, Repatriating the state to what is its responsibility, um, shrinking the size of the state, getting rid of a lot of these SOEs. These so you're dumping enterprises, etc. Absolutely, I'm giving them, handing them over to the market. Why? Because the market can produce these. Uh, excuse me, the market will be able to produce these services which we all need. We all need electricity. We all need a functional rail system, um, but it need not be provided by the state or state-owned enterprises. What we need to do is allow individuals to grow their income, to grow their wealth, um, to raise household savings so that they're able to afford Services and goods that are provided in um, a free market. Of course, there's still a role for the state. Um, you know, I, I'm not, uh, as I've said, I'm not an anarchist. I believe the state has a important role. A capable state has an important role to play in society. But if I were president, um, the first thing to do is to fix the education system. Um, you know, so that it caters for our diverse society and it gears people for um, to being able to compete. In, in the markets. Secondly, get your, your healthcare system right um, so that even if you have, uh, you know, a, uh, a huge burden of disease as we, as we currently do in South Africa, um, people are able to access quality healthcare systems um, that are provided by and large by private hands, which I argue are better. Um, and the third, of course, is to remove a lot of the bad Government policy that prevents people from accessing economic opportunity—you know, things like stifling minimum wages or sectoral determinations or what's called collective bargaining. Um, you know, a lot of these things, if you were to uh, roll back and scale back and allow free individuals to access them freely, will create this sort of prosperity everybody is um, should be able to work for in this country.
2: All right. Well, I think that's relatively comprehensive. Just very quickly uh, in 20 seconds. Uh sure. I, All the stuff you've described, I don't know of any political party that ticks all the boxes. Uh, so, uh, local elections, um, who's, who gets closest?
0: Um, well, I am a liberal, so I will be voting Democratic Alliance. Um, they are close to the perfect system in any uh, political system. Nothing is perfect. There's, Nirvana is not for this world. So the closest that gets there for me is Democratic Alliance.
2: Right. On that note, um, Sikli, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, really appreciate it.
0: Thanks. Thanks. And I hope people follow me on Twitter at Sikli DLK.
2: Well, I was going to say that, but now hey, you have. That's our job. <laughs>
0: But anyway, um, I'm
2: vacating the seat next week. It's been decided. I was about to say, after my socialism bitch slap. (laughs) 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 Thank you
0: so eh? much for having me, guys. Absolutely.
1: Thank you so much for your time, mate. I'll catch you on Twitter.
0: All right. See you there.
2: Cheers, mate. Bye. Right. So that's another one down. Uh, (sighs) Any uh, any further comments? Um.
1: No, I'm glad to have a clever black on again. Um, he, probably, we, he probably owns a dog. Oh, uh, we actually didn't ask him. We forgot. Um, but in, in case it does come through, we apologize a little bit for the audio quality. Uh, there were a few gaps and, and drops, but I think the message did come through loud and clear.
2: Yeah. Unfortunately, Ramon's giant uh, e-cigarette sometimes interferes with the technical here, but, uh, other than that, uh, no issues. I mean, I do my best with this guy. So we'll, uh, we'll catch Thanks, you on the John, next Robbie. One. <laughs> It's, it's, it's a pleasure. it's an absolute page I'll have to come up with a name for you too ladies
0: Cliff Central I've got something important to tell you Cliffcent.com.